Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with Isaiah addresses Moab as we pick up in Isaiah chapter 16, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 16 as we continue our study through the prophecy of Isaiah. Now, in these next few chapters that we are covering here in Isaiah, behind the scenes, Assyria is arising as a strong, powerful military force. Assyria, with its capital city of Nineveh, is becoming extremely powerful and beginning to develop a tremendous army that will soon be on a campaign of subjugating the world. And so the prophet Isaiah begins to address himself to some of the various countries round about, to Moab, to Syria, to Ephraim, and all because these nations, Egypt, Ethiopia, are to be in conflict and in battle with the Assyrians. And so behind these next chapters, you have to see the clouds of war rising from Assyria as they are going to soon begin their sweep down into this area of the world. And Isaiah is addressing now the nations concerning the destruction that is sure to come during this Assyrian invasion. And the first nation that he addresses himself to is the nation of Moab, which is the present-day Jordan. It lies on the east of the Jordan River from Mount Gilead, actually, on south to Mount Seir. So send ye the lamb to the ruler of the land from Selah. Now Selah is the word rock, and from it the word Petra, and the city of Petra, which happens to be in the area of Moab. To the wilderness, unto the mount of the daughter of Zion, For it shall be that as a wandering bird cast out of the nest, so the daughters of Moab shall be at the fords of Arnon. Take counsel, execute judgment, make thy shadow as the night in the midst of the noonday. Hide the outcast, betray them not that wondereth. Let mine outcast dwell with thee, Moab. Be thou a covert to them from the face of the spoiler, for the extortioner is at the end, and the spoiler ceases, and the oppressors are consumed out of the land. And in mercy shall the throne be established, and he shall sit upon it in truth in the tabernacle of David, judging and seeking judgment, and hasting righteousness. And then he begins his lament over Moab because of their great pride. Now, 
As we mentioned earlier, as we were studying the prophecies of Isaiah, there's a unique characteristic in, well, it isn't unique because it is in many of the prophets, where they will be talking about a situation that is close at hand, but there seems to be a dual fulfillment of the prophecy, and it reaches on out to another era, and it spans into another time. And so there is often what we call the near fulfillment and the far fulfillment of this prophecy. Now, many Bible scholars in the far fulfillment of this prophecy, as God is commanding Moab to meet the wandering bird that is cast out of the nest at the fords of Arnon and to hide the outcast and betray them not the wonders and let the outcast dwell with thee, Moab. There are many Bible scholars who see this in its fulfillment as yet to come when in the midst of the seven-year period that God has yet to reckon to the nation Israel. For in Daniel, the uh, ninth chapter, the angel said unto Daniel, there are 77s determined upon the nation Israel to finish the transgressions, to make an end of sin, to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the prophecies, and to anoint the most holy one. Now, no one understand from the time the commandment goes forth to restore and rebuild Jerusalem to the coming of the Messiah, the prince will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens, and the walls will be built again in troublous times. But the Messiah will be cut off without receiving the kingdom, and the people will end up by being dispersed. Now, Daniel said, the prince of the people that shall come will make a covenant with Israel for this 70th week, or for this last week, this last period of seven years. But in the midst of the seven years, he will break the covenant and set up an abomination which causes desolation. Now, the disciples came to Jesus one day and they said, Lord, what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And Jesus began to tell them the signs that they should watch for, the things that would be transpiring in the earth, which would be a warning to them that they were approaching the end of the age. And as Jesus is talking to them about the various signs, he does speak to them, talking again to the Jews, when you see the abomination of desolation that was spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, then flee to the wilderness. And if you happen to be on the roof of your house, don't even bother grabbing a coat as you're going th through. Just get out of there as quickly as you can. And if you are out in the field working, don't even return to your house, but get down to the wilderness just as quickly as possible. So the Lord is warning them that the sign of the abomination of desolation, now he said, now he that has wisdom let him understand, because he said there is going to be a time of great tribulation such as the world has never seen before or will ever see again. Now we are told in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, that uh, John saw these various characters or these various 
symbolisms. He saw a woman clothed with the moon and the stars, 12 stars and the moon. And she was travailing, ready to bring forth a child. And he saw this great dragon that was seeking to devour the child as soon as it was born. And he speaks of how the woman brought forth the child which was caught on up into heaven to his throne. And so the dragon sought to make war against the remnant of the woman's seed, but God gave to her the wings of an eagle to bear her to the wilderness place where she is to be nourished for three and a half years. From a prophetic standpoint, what this is all talking about is that God has one more seven-year cycle to fulfill in the history of the nation of Israel. The 69 seven-year cycles were fulfilled from the time of the commandment to restore and rebuild Jerusalem to the coming of Jesus Christ. The 69 seven-year cycles were fulfilled actually to the day for in March 14, 445 B.C., Artaxerxes gave the commandment to Nehemiah to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, and 173,880 days later, 483 years on the Babylonian calendar of 360 days to the year, Jesus, on April the 6th, 32 A.D., made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, fulfilled right on the letter. But the angel said there are 77s. Now, Jesus, in being cut off, the Messiah will be cut off. Jesus was cut off. But in being cut off, in his being cut off, he made, through his death upon the cross, he made reconciliation for iniquity. He made an end of our sins. But he did not set up the everlasting kingdom, nor was the most holy place anointed, nor were the prophecies all fulfilled. So a part of those prophecies are yet remaining and they will take place at the end of the 70th seven-year cycle. So there is one missing seven-year cycle that Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples, declared that it was a yet future thing. When the church is taken out of the earth, it will then immediately give rise to the Antichrist sometime after the church is removed, I believe that it will pretty much coincide with the removal of the church. For that which hinders shall hinder until it is taken out of the way, and then shall that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who comes forth with all kinds of lies and deceit and guile. In Revelation chapter 4, you see the church taken up into heaven. And the, I saw a door open in heaven. The first voice was as of a trumpet saying, Come up hither, I'll show you things which will be after the church things. And immediately I was caught away by the Spirit into heaven. And there I saw the throne of God and the uh, emerald uh, type of rainbow about the throne of God, the 24 lesser thrones of the elders and the cherubim as they were worshiping God and the elders as they joined in the worship, falling on their faces and casting their crowns on the glassy sea, declaring the worthiness of God to receive the praise and the worship. And then in chapter 5, he saw the scroll with seven seals 
in the right hand of him that was sitting upon the throne, heard the angel say, who's worthy to take this scroll and loose the seals? The title deed to the earth. Who's worthy to take this title deed, to reclaim the earth? The day of redemption has come. Who is worthy? And John began to sob because no man was worthy in heaven, in earth, under the sea to take the scroll or even to look thereon. And the other said, don't weep, John. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed to take the scroll and loose the seals. And John saw, turned, and he saw him as a lamb that had been slaughtered. And he saw him as he stepped forth and took the scroll out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And immediately the 24 elders took little golden bowls that were full of incense odors, the prayers of the saints, offered them before God. And they sang a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the scroll and loose the seals thereof for thou wast slain and you have redeemed us by your blood out of all of the nations, tribes, kindreds, tongues, and people. And you have made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign with you upon the earth. The song of the redeemed church in heaven. Only the redeemed church can sing that song. That is not the song of Israel. It's out of all of the families of the people on the earth. That is not the song of angels. It's only the song of the redeemed church. Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us by thy blood. Angels can't sing that song, but they can sing the chorus, and so they join in. A hundred million strong plus millions of millions as they sing, Worthy is the Lamb to receive glory and power and might and dominion and authority and thrones and so forth. But we sing the verse. And so we get into chapter 6, and he opened the first seal, and the angel said, Come. And I saw, and a white horse with his rider came forth, conquering and to conquer. The Antichrist, the revelation of the Antichrist, it immediately follows the glorious acclamation of the worthiness of Christ to take this scroll and loose the seals. So the introduction of the Antichrist upon the earth and one of the first orders of business of the Antichrist as he is putting together the earth once again that has been ravaged by war when Russia invades the Middle East. So now he's starting to put the pieces together because Russia has been soundly and thoroughly defeated in her invasion of the Middle East. He starts to put the pieces together again, and the first thing he does is make a covenant with the nation of Israel. Now, the Bible doesn't say that the covenant includes the rebuilding of the temple, but that is my own personal feeling and opinion, and I have, I, I, it's very strong, that this covenant that he makes with the nation of Israel includes their giving to them the privilege of the rebuilding of their temple. And when they rebuild their temple, they will not build it on the site of the Mosque of Omar, or that which is commonly called the Mosque of Omar, which in reality is the Dome of the Rock Mosque. I believe that they'll leave the Dome of the Rock Mosque intact. I believe that they will build a wall on the north side of the Dome of the Rock Mosque. And in that large area of some 15 acres or so, they will make provision for the Jews to build their temple, which many of their scientists now believe is above the site of Solomon's temple. One of the archaeologists and scientists 
in Israel came out with a very interesting article that was published in the Jerusalem Post in which he declared and, and, and gave his findings for believing that the Temple of Solomon actually was north of the Dome of the Rock Mosque. Which if they can prove and all which they are seeking to do, it will be a tremendous kind of a boon for those Jews that are wanting to rebuild their temple because it, it means they can build it without having a holy war. All the Muslims of the world marching against them because it, it would be very easy just to put a wall. And there is a verse in Ezekiel that talks about putting a wall along to separate. And in the 11th chapter of the book of Revelation where the Lord gave unto John, a ruler, and said, now go measure the new temple and the courts. He said, don't measure the outer court because it's been given to the heathen. And the Dome of the Rock Mosque stands in what would have been the outer court of Solomon's temple if Solomon's temple was there on the north side. So he'll make a covenant with the nation Israel. But in the midst of of the seven-year period, after three and a half years, he will come to Jerusalem, and according to what Paul tells us in 2 Thessalonians, and Jesus spoke about in Matthew 24, he will, and Daniel spoke about in chapter 9, he will stand in the rebuilt temple and declare himself to be God. And he will demand that they worship him as God. Now, according to the scriptures, according to Jesus, this is the sign for the Jews to flee out of Jerusalem. Get out of there as quickly as you can. Because the Antichrist, the man of sin, is going to now demand that the Jews worship him as God. And though they had initially hailed him as the Messiah, at this point they're going to realize that they were mistaken and deceived by this man. And Jesus said, get out of there as quickly as you can. Don't bother taking anything with you. And according to Revelation, God will give to them wings of an eagle to bear them to a wilderness place where they will be nourished for three and a half years. And the Antichrist will send out an army after them, but the earth will open up and swallow his army. And so we begin to see the, the prophetic scene take place. Now, where are they going to the wilderness and where will they be fleeing? Here's where this prophecy of Isaiah begins to unfold. Send ye the lamb to the ruler of the land from Petra to the wilderness unto the mount of the daughter of Zion. For it shall be that as a wandering bird casts out of the nest, so the daughters of Moab shall be at the fords of Arnon. Take counsel, execute judgment, make thy shadow as the night in the midst of the noonday. Hide the outcast, betray them not that wandereth. Let mine outcast, God says, mine outcast, dwell with thee, Moab. Be thou a covering to them from the face of the spoiler or from the Antichrist. For the extortioner, the Antichrist, is at an end. The spoiler ceaseth and the oppressors are consumed out of the land. 
and what will happen. And in mercy shall the throne be established, and he, that is Jesus, shall sit upon it in truth in the tabernacle of David, judging and seeking judgment and hastening righteousness. Now, one further note should be made about this before we move on. And that is the day that the Antichrist comes, or the man of sin, the son of perdition, the beast, or many, one of the many names that the scripture gives to him, the spoiler, the extortioner. The day that he comes and stands in the rebuilt temple and declares that he is God in the midst of this seven-year period, the day that that takes place, it will be from that day 1,290 days until Jesus comes again with his church to set up his kingdom upon the earth. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Isaiah on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Isaiah 16 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and watch over and keep you in the love of Jesus Christ through the week. May you be strengthened by His Spirit in your inner man. And may you comprehend more and more what is the length and the depth and the height and the breadth of God's great love for you. May you be filled with that love. May you overflow with that love as you reach out to those around you who are less fortunate to help, to strengthen, to supply. God be with you. And may he use you as his instrument to show his love to this needy world. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Children love stories, so it is with great honor to tell you about a children's book written by Pastor Chuck called The Story of the Ten Commandments. Just listen to what people are saying. Cheryl Broderson. I love these stories, and it's a pleasure for me to know that you get to hear my dad tell you the very same stories that he told me as a child. Pastor David Guzik. 
I think that a book by Pastor Chuck is perfect for children because they'll sense the true love of not just a father, but a great grandfather and how much he loves to pass on the love of Jesus to a young generation. Pastor Poncho Juarez. I am so blessed to be part of this book by Pastor Chuck. I love it when kids read in their own level. I hope parents take advantage of this and may the Lord bless you. And as a gift, each book contains a CD of Pastor Chuck reading the story of the Ten Commandments. To order your copy, call the word for today at 800-272-WORD. Or to see a sneak preview of the book, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.